As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. Well, let's talk about... Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the collective cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Thursday, May 11th, 8.02 a.m. Welcome to Rini, to Groundswell, Scott A. Martin, to Erin. Um, she came, she saw, she left. She maybe, maybe she'll come back. Uh, uh, Jensa, oh, Erin is back. Hi, Erin. Uh, Bez, uh, Anna Martin, no relation to Scott Martin, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, we are ready to go with part two of Groundswell. Of course, last night was the launch event for Alpha Collective in New York City. I am going to uh, tell you all about it tomorrow. We'll talk about it in No Agenda Friday. And uh, I'm going to spend a bit of time today uh, putting together some photos and video, uh, whatever I have of the event. Um, I'm a little under the weather and uh, just dealing with uh, just dealing with that this morning. 
um, not sure what's going on and uh, not going to try and find out. Uh, but I am going to spend uh, maybe a little bit of time uh, in bed today. I wish I was actually at the ocean. I wish I was able to look at some of the wind swells and ground swells uh, and take advantage of just being out uh, in, in nature. It is a beautiful day, um, so I'm going to attempt to let nature heal me with a little bit of honey lemon tea. Uh, but I will see how long my voice lasts for, and I'm excited to continue with the live read. Now, Mr. Scott A. Martin, um, I will invite you up, and you can come up at, uh, at any time. Um, I um, we still have to talk about uh, about whether I'm uh, I'm going to get uh, a Kindle version or or a physical version, um, just so that we don't. I think I'll probably run out of chapter one today, uh, but let's see how we go. If I do, you're just going to have to take over uh, from me. Um, we are going to start off uh, in in chapter one for those of you uh, that are. For those of you that want to um, experience this amazing uh, book, there is a free chapter. Uh, Scott, if you are, um, uh, maybe just post that in the cafe chat, how people can get this free chapter to get them started. Um, I will invite you to speak over there. Um, welcome. How are you, my friend? Good morning, everyone. Yeah, I'll post it in the chat right now. You can be able to grab it real quick. <laughs> All right, and I've got a, actually I've got a link for you, my friend, um, that I'm going to post in there shortly, which is the flip book, so that we can keep reading if you need to. Okay, awesome. we're going to be sending out our uh, chapters this week. Anna's going to help me package them. It's I've been behind. I've been underwater catching up, but uh, we'll have be sending out physical signed copies right away here. Well, it's very appropriate because underwater, I'm looking at a, an image of a scuba diver. Uh, and it says, "Dig deep and paddle out," uh, and that's where we're going to start <laughs> with. That's where we're going to start off with today. Um, the ocean has been my biggest teacher, and I've been assiduously—did I did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, yes. Assiduously studying patterns to see if there is a connection between the unquestionable success of sustainable growth in nature and business. At a business mastery event I attended, Tony Robbins shared his strategy for successful brands. You first identify patterns, then differentiate patterns, and then create new patterns. This is the methodology of my deep dive into this thinking. You know, this is last night I was talking at, at the event about what I think now is like my, uh, I think this guy is a philosopher without even knowing it, uh, Frank Degods, who his tweet has become like a, I said I would tattoo it on my body if I had any tattoos, which is I try, we tried some shit, we learned some shit, now we're trying other shit. Um, and uh, it's very similar. That's what I think of when I see you first identify patterns, then you differentiate patterns, and then you create new patterns. It's, there's like a beautiful, there, there, is, there is a pattern to that, right? There is like the idea of the tides, like this idea of, you know, you follow rules, you break rules, you make new rules. It's almost like this one, two, three, you know, this idea of rhythmic. It feels very rhythmic of this idea, or like understand the patterns, then be able to separate them, prioritize them, and then create new patterns. And and I think there's, um, I, you know, even when I wrote Join the Conversation, the five stages were listen, 
um, respond, be invited to join, catalyze, start. So the last step always is to create something new, but it's never the first step. That's what I think a lot of people miss. You know, they, they just dive deep into it. And, and, the, and the arrogant big brands, they just always want to create. They don't listen. It's the same thing now with, uh, with you know, whether it's the Bud Light controversy or whether it's, you know, Black Lives Matter. The brands just want to talk when the reality is what, what we always should be doing is listening, observing, learning, assimilating, integrating, and then and then and only then starting. So immediately, even with this little Tony Robbins uh, quote, um, it, it, it gives me, uh, it, it already stimulates thinking. Um, Scott, I see you off uh, mute. Just jump in anytime you want. You bet. I will. I'll be listening. And so, what I'll do is, as I'm reading, I'm going to actually just look. I'll, I'll look at. Um, I'll look at your icon, and if you want to stay muted when you unmute, or just, in fact, just jump in. You can jump in any time. This really is a conversation. By the way, anyone else can jump on and ask a question. You know, hang out in the cafe chat. This is absolutely meant to be interactive. Uh, so I'm going to continue reading, but but remember, I am Scott Martin. Um, I have identified, differentiated, and created new growth strategies or patterns modeled after nature, as well as studied both business and my own personal experience. This approach has uncovered a truth from brands across multiple industries and sizes. All growth is not the same, just as all waves are not the same. The cycles of nature offer ubiquitous models we can look to for clarity and inspiration for how growth happens. A seed, for example is planted and nourished until it sprouts and then grows until it produces its own seeds. In water, energy starts as a ripple and grows to a swell until it nears the shore, at which point it breaks, forming the white-crested waves that crash over the reef with powerful impact. A groundswell begins not as a ripple, but as an impressive storm. The waves are disparate. It is only when they unify and collaborate, forming bigger waves together, that their power truly begins to grow, wave upon wave. This epic start to the storm ends in an epic outcome when it reaches its destination on the coast. Whether a seed or a wave, growth occurs as a natural phenomenon, forming under specific conditions and taking on particular characteristics In either case, the outcome we seek is not immediate. It begins small and must develop in sequence over time. But it is this model from nature that we can mindfully pursue across our organizations, businesses, and personal lives to achieve the sustainable growth and impact we desire to experience and share with others. So I want to ask you a question, Scott, because there's a few things that jump out, and I just want to ask you for a clarification um, there's this idea of natural, right? Growth is natural. Two is this idea of starting from, you know, the seed, the, the ripple, the smallness, but also uh, the storm. Like, which one is it? Is it, is, it, is it both? I mean, I love the idea from chaos comes order, so the storm component, but being far out to sea. I mean, that storm could be the catalyst for change. Um, it could be, you know, it could be trauma, you know, for, on a personal level. It could be a sign. Uh, it could be being laid off. It could be chat GPT. It could be all of these things. 
this storm um, that births, you know, this idea or this this pivot. So maybe just first of all, just talk about, you know, which one, like, how, like, am, am I? Are they two different things, or are they the same thing? This idea of a storm, and then this idea of but this tiny little, you know, small starting small. Well, if you think of the storm um, at whatever capacity, it started small to go big. So the storm was a ripple before it became, a, you know, a, a raging storm. You know, it went from a, a breeze to a, a windy day to a storm. So that is the, the seed, if you will. But um, the concept really is, if you think of your, your, when you're thinking about creating something spectacular, it sometimes starts very chaotically. Like it's out of chaos. You're trying to make sense of different directions, different things. And only when the storm, your storm, your epic center, I call it, the epicenter of the storm, starts going into a consistent direct direction, that's when you start going, hey, I, I actually know where I'm going. I know where I'm, where I'm headed, where I'm congruent with my values. The more direct and, and concise you are about your values and the direction, that's when the storm actually changes and shifts those chaotic waves that you would see like in Tom Hanks' movie, um, uh, Castaway, where it's like they're all over the place, where they start kind of working together. They, the wind then gets exponential energy because there's more waves that are working together eventually almost forming in these beautiful lines you'd see from the air looking like soldiers marching towards the coastline that we've described before in the book. And so that is uh, from chaos. The The seed of the storm is the beginning of the breeze, of course, to the, the windy day, to the raging storm. But that chaos is what creates the waves. Now, the example of the seed, it's just a cycle of life. It's like I look at these patterns and they all follow this build, give, grow, transform this for four stages, no matter what. Um, uh, that's just pretty much consistent across all nature. I, I get it. And, and um, I mean, there's so many beautiful parallels. It's hard. I mean, the next, the next word is, the next line, which I'll read, is whether you're a business owner or a marketer. But before we get there, so there's this idea of, and, you know, uh, Rini and I worked as planners in, in, our, in our past lives um, we get insights, we get sparks, we get the fact that, um, and, and I think what you're saying is there's always, there's always a beginning, there's always a spark, there's always, there's something, and if you're paying attention, you'll notice it, but the, it, it is almost the spark that becomes the, the fire that becomes the raging forest fire, which can actually be unbelievably destructive, but as we've read and spoken about in previous collective cafes, uh, growth and renewal often comes from these devastating, destructive forest fires. But using from fire to water, this idea of the you know every storm has to start somewhere, and I think that's kind of what you're mentioning. The other thing is this idea of of um, it's a big idea. I think that growth is a natural phenomenon because in business, growth is anything but natural. Growth is forced. Growth is fake. What do I mean by fake and artificial through acquisition? The only way, I mean, this is the essence of built to suck. That, you know, this is the third horseman of the corporate apocalypse being a public company because companies are forced to grow. And, and so they force growth. And when they do that, they're buying growth. They're buying revenue as opposed to letting it be natural. 
It is anything but natural. It is so unnatural. And maybe that's why companies struggle because they, they aren't able to understand the natural forces of growth. So that was the other, I think, big idea that comes out of this. And I would, I'd love you to chat about that a bit and then we'll keep reading this idea of growth sure, being I'll, natural I'll versus give this forced. Really, yeah, natural growth, if you think about it, like in nature, there's no straight lines. So someone that's building something naturally, there's no perfect, you know, charty chart, McChartison that goes right to the right and kind of has these little blocky direct lines, if you will. You're right. There's a lot of unnatural growth. The This book is not written for the, um, I'm out to make money at all costs. There's patterns that you can borrow, but that's not what this book's about. That's not who this is for. This book is for people who are trying to build a groundswell. They're trying to create a movement to create change, to transform the world. They're working with people's lives and creating a journey, a journey map with, with them and through transformation. They're aiming to make a change in the world and that ultimately the growth itself is able to be sustained and almost exponentially grow, not almost, but exponentially grow in a growth loop. In order to do that, there's a natural progression of things. The unnatural, I guess you could say, shortcuts that we see are the problem that I have been part of. Like I'm a recovering 10x growth hacker um, and realizing that, sure, that works, but it's not sustainable. This, what we're describing, is sustainable growth. That's the difference, is you can't replicate a merger that worked beautifully again and again. I would argue that it's different every time and it's not sustainable and frankly it's probably more transactional we're not talking about growing for growth sake and creating transactions we're talking about transformation that benefits people financially of course but it's a very different growth thinking so i i always try to make that distinction that you know somebody that's just looking for uh growth uh just as a bottom line uh, only but this is profit with purpose yeah it's a great point and um you know, I, I have a much less uh, eloquent way of saying it, which is once is witty, twice is shitty. Um, because that's really what happens. This idea, I think it's a, that's a fantastic point, is when we capture lightning in a bottle, um, you know, it's, I think we have to sometimes recognize that it is so, um, you know, it is a one-off. You need, you need I guess, many one-offs. Um, but, and this is where the patterns come into play, if you can understand the patterns, um, then you can, you know, it goes back to even this idea of the science behind catching the perfect wave versus the random randomness or the serendipity of going out. And it's like fishing, right? You go out to fish and you can spend an entire day out on the boat and come back with absolutely nothing. Or you can cheat, you know, in a way and, and use your GPS and go to where, like, literally it's almost like a, you know, it's kind of like a, a softball or layup. Um, and and I guess it's not it's not about what is wrong and one is wrong and one is right. It's just about understanding, you know, understanding, you know, the the it is understanding the the patterns, but also just, you know, determining ultimately what gives you fulfillment and what gives you meaning um and, and what helps you achieve your goals. You know, even last night um when we had our panel we had Sandy Carter from Unstoppable Domains and Shira Lazar and Greg Bedino and David Berkowitz from Serial Marketer joined as well. Um, and I was like, you know, we had the conversation. How do we 
mainstream Web3? How do we grow this? How do we... And uh, and I remember the points. The first is um, is solve a problem. But how do you sell it to senior management? Solve a problem. Understand their problem and tell them how you can solve it. Two is the idea of the invisibility of it, the transparency of it. Like instead of hitting them over the heads with buzzwords and technicalities, you know, it's like uh, technology. Like I always say, nobody talks about the sound at a concert. Nobody comes back from a a concert going, man, that reverb was incredible. Did like, like, you know, like kudos to the guy on the graphic equalizer, right? The only time you do, you mention the sound is when it sucks. Um, And then the third part, which I liked is it's got to be real. Like it's got to be real. It's got to be tangible. It's got to actually like not be hypothetical. It's got to actually like work and implement. Um, So great conversation. Um, I just want to say hello. I have one distinction. Yes, sir. So you, the GPS thing, right, is there is a difference because if you think of the fisherman that knows how to fish, right, um, and then he decides to use GPS, what happens if the GPS breaks or new technology that's or that technology is irrelevant or GPS is not effective, right? He still knows how to fish. It's, I think, on the foundation, like, who are you becoming, if you think of somebody who um, uses, you know, um, some sort of, you know, growth, um, you know, hormones and different things that are unnatural for growth, um, it doesn't, it, you certainly could grow and it looks like you're growing, but it's like, is that really healthy? Is that sustainable? Is it, um, you know, what are you becoming as a business, as a person? So sometimes we trip over ourselves trying to take the shortcut. I'm not against the shortcuts. I just say it's on a foundation of healthy growth. Um, utilize those tools once you have a baseline of really healthy growth. We are completely, um, completely on the same page here. And, um, you know, it's funny because when I wrote Built to Suck, I prepared the uh, survival planning canvas. And in, in, this work, you know, in this worksheet, there is something called North Star which says your North Star is your innovation, uh, vision, and values. And there are four components. So it's a whole nautical uh, theme. So it's like amazing how like you and I, I didn't realize how, how connected we were through the ocean and through. So the four things are compass, Polaris, GPS, and instinct. Compass is tools and techniques. Polaris, what is or was constant and will never change. Your North Star, you know, which is the essence of the North Star. GPS, what superpowers uh, has technology created for you? And instinct says, when all else fails, what, what can you rely on? And it's exactly that point. It's exactly that point, which is, you know, the, the, the compass, you know, if you think about how, how would sailors steer, how would they navigate? They would use their compass. They would use the, the stars. Uh, they would, eventually, they would use technology but what do you do when your technology breaks? What do you do when it's cloudy, when it's stormy? You've got to rely on your gut. And that's why the fourth value is human, is the human value, not technology. Um, it, and each value and each belief is kind of drawing from something, from four different sources of power. But ultimately, the, the power goes back to ChatGPT, right? It's the lure of laziness, which is we can use it, 
But if we actually, as David Ogilvy would have said, we should use it, you know, um, not as a drunk would use a lamppost, but rather as a guiding light. Um, so we are on the same page, my friend. So are you ready to carry on? I love on? that quote, which, yeah, I love the quote, which is uh, a calm harbor does not make a skillful sailor, you know. Yeah, that's a fantastic quote. A calm harbor does not make a skillful sailor, indeed. Uh, what about being a business owner or marketer? Okay, so we'll, we'll continue. Hello to, to Praxim and to Christopher. Um, uh, you are in the, we are all in the right place at the right time reading this amazing book together. Whether you're a business owner or a marketer, it's time to reimagine your mindsets and practices related to growth marketing. Give yourself permission to question the way things have always been done. Join the ranks of passionate entrepreneurs who, like Jack O'Neill and Kelly Slater, dared to do something no one had seen before. Learn how to start a groundswell, make an impact that spreads far and wide in the sphere you care about most deeply. This book is intended to be a guide, roadmap, and reference for impact-driven entrepreneurs, conscious creators, and mindful and maverick marketers who crave this kind of meaningful and sustainable long-term growth. Tapping into your hidden wave of marketing potential will ensure that you build sustainable growth for years to come, which will allow you to do more of what you love and make a more meaningful impact on what matters most to you. My aims for you when you complete this book are vital for creating a groundswell. And here is a list. Recognize where there is economic waste and activities that aren't aligned with your core values and don't lead to growth sustainability. Two, stop directing ineffective energy towards growing your business with traditional marketing that is aimed at interrupting humans and shift instead to energy that captivates, magnetizes, and builds trust with your audience. Three, Start doing things that align with your values and harness the endless energy that will grow your connection to your brand, your audience, and your outcomes. Four, understand the profound value of addressing your audience as humans, not customers, as unique individuals in every moment. Five, take the time to build, then begin your efforts with a give before you focus on growing. Six, start building momentum with giving as a strategy. And finally, think it's fine no seven generate a movement that creates change and ultimately guides your audience into waves of transformation and finally ask yourself in every interaction is this sustainable is it human-centric and does it help move change and transform the world to become better i'm telling you those three things by the way this is me joe talking these three things are like the ultimate that is like you know um, that's like the, the, the cipher, right? I mean, to me, like every single piece of marketing should be able to address, is this sustainable? Is it human-centric? And does it move change and transform the world uh, to become better? Over time, groundswelling becomes ingrained in the totality of your business. It is an outward expression and demonstration of what your business is. To build a groundswell, you simply must lead with your heart. It's time to be brave dig deep, and paddle out. So now we get into uh, a section called The Growth Dilemma with a quote by Tony Robbins that says, if you're not growing, you're dying. And there is a weird uh, flag, a black flag with a skull and crossbones, except the skull is a skull, but the crossbones 
are the surfboards with your lightning bolt on it. Very, very uh, smartly done. The traditional benchmark of business success is growth. Sales, customers, profits, and increased likes, subscribers, and so forth. These are the traditional metrics that feed the hungry appetite of growth. And so businesses do whatever is necessary to keep these numbers climbing. But can they sustainably continue to grow? Thanks to the internet and digital platforms, the world is more connected than ever before, creating more opportunity to get in front of your chosen audience. But competition for attention is fierce. Opportunity for you is also opportunity for everyone else. The typical way to stay relevant and therefore afloat is through aggressive marketing tactics, such as doubling down on digital ad spend to offer inflated incentives to elbow out the competition. It's a marketing arms rate race. By the way, very alliterative, Scott. Uh, this is the current marketing climate. Unfortunately, most businesses that chase growth with aggressive campaigns typically create only a quick temporary uptick in sales. When the campaign is over, sales fall back to baseline And when measuring success based on numbers alone, this short-term growth spike doesn't tell the whole story. Chasing these growth numbers is the extent of the brand's vision to grow for growth's sake. The pattern repeats itself, and they simply have the marketing or sales group prepare and launch the next aggressive campaign to generate another spike. Growth has become such a high priority that a science of innovative testing resulting in rapid growth has emerged. It's called growth hacking, and I spent many years learning and deploying this methodology via expert guests on my podcast like Sean Ellis, author of Hacking Growth. Like many others, I've become obsessed with growth. It wasn't until later that I identified that the real dilemma is in the kind of growth. Not all growth is the same. Don't get me wrong, growth hacking is very rational, strategic, uh, is a very rational, strategic, and intelligent discipline. It is a science and can work wonders, especially if you can impact product design. I established my career leveraging a singular focus of rapid growth. What I'm referring to instead is hacktics, looking for shortcuts, chasing trends, and chasing opportunities for rapid, immediate growth. There is a missed opportunity in pursuing only immediate growth. We love to play the hero, create an aggressive campaign to unlock massive growth that is as rapidly visible as possible. There was a time when growing slow felt like failure because I was obsessed with measuring speed uh, with increased growth numbers. I have to be honest, my actions were extremely short-sighted. I unknowingly, like so many others, was fixating on revenue at the expense of relationships. Um, It's a good time to pause for a moment because, I mean, you know, one of the things, even going back to my Nando's days, and by the way, uh, just shout-outs to uh, Peggy and and Will. Um, Will came into our launch. He drove 250 miles uh, into the launch and got home at about 3 in the morning. Peggy came in as well. Uh, I'm going to try and post a photo later, but it was amazing uh, to see two people. Uh, Peggy, I'd never met before. Uh, Will, I have met before, but it was just uh, a a wonderful, wonderful moment. And uh, they both came for dinner with the team from Deloitte. Um, We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Um, 
but you know this um, at Nando's we used to say um, we are not good fast food we're good food fast we also said there was a big sign at the top that said our quality is remembered long after the weight is forgotten and that was another way that we were able to kind of um, you know emphasize and almost uh, uh, you know, turn the weakness into the strength, the slowness of it. But, but in this case, this whole idea of the long game is, is critical. Um, and we're, we're going to talk a lot about hectics today. But, you know, one of the things that, that um, I, I wrote in Join the Conversation, I said marketing, marketing is a commitment, not a campaign. Marketing is not a campaign. Marketing is a commitment. And, and you know, the way that I would always uh, – I would – when I when I keynoted, I would always say, um, "Can you imagine going dark on your spouse? You know, can you imagine being able to say, hey, honey, listen, I'm going to go dark on you for like two months, but I'll be back and we'll just pick it up uh, where we left it off.' You know, that that would be a very uh, short lived relationship, um, and that's what we do as marketers and brands. We we have fireworks displays. We have these. You know, it's the equivalent of get rich quick, the Super Bowl." Uh, spot and then we go dark because we are not we cannot afford to sustain that kind of spend uh, it's not even that we don't want to it's the fact that we can't even afford to but even if we did it would just be noise 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 and so i like your take on this scott because what we're talking about is consistency we're talking about patterns we're talking about relationships we're talking about slow and steady wins the race. We're talking about all of the above as opposed to the traditional marketing, which, of course, is interruptive. You know, one of the things I always would say is a campaign should never have an end date. Your consumer should tell you when it's time to end, when it's time to stop talking, when it's enough. And the fact that we have these artificial start dates and end dates um, is the most customer and human and consumer uncentric approach. So I wonder if you could comment on that a little bit because I really like the the juxtaposition, the way you are thinking about how you look at the campaign. I looked at it a different way, um, but but we're both saying the same thing, which is a world of staccato, disconnected, um, isolated waves or campaigns or hectics uh, is not going to create that sustainable growth. So what's the question? <clears throat> I don't think there's a question. It's just more just commenting oh. on 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 this on this um this is not a Q&A. On the short term versus long term, yeah. Um you know, I think that you know, for me what I've always identified is the idea that when you're it's like you're talking about like campaigns versus programs is kind of how I view it is campaigns is short term activation programs are like marketing programs that don't ever end they're more persistent and brand is permanent right like those are that's the, the level that i look at is brand program and campaigns and campaigns sort of live in the sort of hectic category more short-term spike uh sales activation world if you will programs is kind of right in between there and brand is pervasive um and investing in the brand and the programs that are cultivating relationships that you're constantly, you're right. It's the consistency of contact, the consistency of 
creating relationships. That's why I've you know really leaned into the community like you have because it is a program, and that program is a far more effective way of building and nurturing and and creating uh, relationships and and meaningful contact versus trying to go out into the universe and and try to browbeat attention to get people to pay attention to what you're saying. Um, and this is more meaningful because now we can all be on a journey together with you. So we're in your community on a journey. In this case, you know, month to month, you're going through book journeys and exploring different ideas. That journey is a different experience for me being somebody in the audience um, who wants to become a member who eventually becomes a client at any level. This is just a different way of approaching this rather than what I call buy or buy go buy or buy in. Right. I think that either in future chapters, we'll talk about that, but um, that's something that just really kind of helps people kind of like be bought into the philosophy, the point of view, the, the you know intricacies of the brand or the community. So you said buy or buy in. That's what you said, right? Yeah, it's actually based on uh, Chuck Chuck D from uh, uh, Public Enemy. He's like, people don't buy from you until they buy in from buy into you, right? And think of buy or go away. A hactic is I have something for sale. It's like a bounce. Either I want to buy it or I go away, right? I love Very it. different than you know, join our community and I get to know you and I start buying into you. I'm just like, oh wow, I really like his point of view. I really love. Uh, this community, these people that are showing up here are like my people. So it's a very different energy. It's a very different uh, approach. I mean, listen, anytime, anytime uh, we've got a little bit of public enemy, uh, that's how I know I've arrived. Uh, not only the fact that we have about, we have 14 amazing people here. Um, my sustainable growth goal um, with these wonderful sessions is to hit 20, which will be, I think, maybe a record for us. Um, but it's slow and steady wins the race. And, you know, it, it, it's like the loyalty ladder. Um, we, uh, I've told the story of the loyalty ladder. We had a guest, uh, a guest lecturer when I was uh, studying at college, and it was, it was suspect, prospect, customer, client, advocate. It is all part of a process. You know, and I also love your continuum now of campaign, program, brand. Um, I've started using the word project. Um, and in fact, I even think that we should now not talk about, you know, I'm employed by, I work at, it's like my current project. Everything is a project. You know, Alpha Collective is a project. Groundswell, your book is a project. These are all projects. Our life is a series of projects and, you know, and there's a goal of a project and there's a finality to the project. Um, so whether it's campaigns, projects, uh, brand or campaigns, programs and projects, brands. I love that continuum. Um, so, and hello to uh, to Dan uh, as well. Um, there will be a POEP today, of course. Uh, the um, the code for that uh, is, is a word <clears throat> that we've already mentioned today that um, is not a real word. It's a word that's made up that Scott just mentioned. So, uh, if you ask him nicely, he doesn't even know what I said it, but I think you have an idea of what it is. Uh, we're going to be saying it again, I'm sure, and I might just emphasize it when we get there. Um, often, yes, we, hectic. Hmm, I'm not saying whether you're right or wrong, but sure. <laughs> is it hectic or hectics? <laughs> it's one of the two. I'll check. Um, often, 
Often we hear stories in the trade publications of brands that deploy the well-known growth tactics and gain a flood of new sales and custom acquisitions. They may appear to be growing, but behind the scenes, there tends to be a very different story, like customer service failing or operational systems crashing. The influx of growth is overwhelming their infrastructure, which in turn impedes quality service and ultimately damages relationships. So while they're gaining new customers on the front end, they're simultaneously losing them on the back end. Uh, my quote there, Scott, is what's the point in fishing if your net's full of holes? Um, even if the company is fortunate enough to gain more than they lose, there's little doubt that this growth strategy is not sustainable and it's all because they can't deliver on their promises long term. By the way, again, this is like why finally AT&T and Verizon and all of them uh, came up with this so this deal is for new customers, yes. But what if I'm an existing customer? No, it's the same thing. But what if I'm a new customer? You know, it's like, you stupid morons, I'm sorry to say, but like, are you only realizing now in 2022 that you, the fact that you actually have to spend money against against kind of like mayor coopering that you would, you know, woo, as I would call them, the stranger and the prostitute, the first time buyer and the switcher, and you would ignore and neglect your your actual customer, um, and so this is a vital point here, which is, which is, I guess, you know, like in many respects, what you're saying, Scott, is like, like you and I have like exist on this in this parallel universe, but we're absolutely saying the same thing, right? This idea of even flip the funnel, right? Why do we obsess on acquisition and at the same time we neglect retention? What you're saying is the point is when you do obsess on acquisition you by definition and default will neglect retention because you're not focused on it, because your eye is on a different prize, because you don't have this duality. At a minimum, you need a duality, you know, because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's a zero-sum game is what you're describing. But can you imagine gaining customers and not losing customers? That's like, a, that's like what we would call a six-point swing in, you know, English football, when 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 the first place team plays the second place team, if the one team wins, you know they get three points and the other zero. If the other team wins, they get three points and the other zero. And so the difference between those two outcomes is essentially six points. One is three uh, ahead versus being three behind. Um, so I think that's a vital vital point. Um, and it's all because they can't deliver on their promises long term. In fact, it has become clear that not only are the strategies themselves not sustainable, but neither are the marketing channels used to deploy them. Nearly every business today is unknowingly handcuffed to a marketing channel they've become reliant upon that may or, not, may, or may not be around in the future. The speed of change is remarkable. Remember pop-up ads? Maybe not. Thanks to pop-up blockers, that form of advertising has all but disappeared. Not too long ago, we couldn't imagine paying for TV. Now we'll gladly pay to opt out of ads giving rise to commercial free TV, radio, games, and web pages. How do you market to your audience if you can't advertise? Sharing social posts isn't going to cut it. <coughs> Excuse me. What happens when the digital platform you've been investing all your marketing efforts in becomes too expensive? <clears throat> if you're building your entire marketing platform on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok, or if your entire store is on Amazon, they own you. 
They can jack up the prices, take a bigger cut, or adjust the algorithm to ensure <coughs> that no one sees your content unless you pay more. If your strategy only has one lane, if the growth you seek is at the mercy of someone else, another company, and if you're chasing the algorithm, you're sabotaging your potential and sustainability. <coughs> Drink some water. I mean, Scott, we've just seen this time and time again. You know, Facebook inviting everyone in and then just turning off the spigot and charging for access. Essentially, it's the issue of being the landlord or the tenant. I mean, you're either a landlord or you're a tenant. It's as simple as that, right? Yeah, and you have no control. And by the way, as soon as Facebook sees the the trend changing, they're going to suddenly be the next. It'll be like like it'll be new again, and people are like, oh, you got to be on Facebook. Things are totally happening there. It'll be because they've turned the the algorithm because they recognize that they're now moved. the The momentum has moved against them. You know, that'll. I think this will be the what's going to just be exhaustion for people moving from platform to platform trying to find where the where the win is right <laughs> you're chasing it you're chasing this algorithm you're chasing uh like right now twitter's a little bit on the rise right you know and it's like but it was down before so it's like it's it's fucking exhausting for people right and if you just sort of go hey i'm going to be aware of it i i'm not going to rely on it but i'm going to leverage it I think it's just the way, and we talk about that in future chapters, which is, you know, not to rely on it, but to take advantage of it. But as soon as you have, it's called a false positive when you're going, hey, this is going to last forever. Like, we're going to get this ad rate at this digital spend rate or whatever. I saw someone we both know bragging about some sort of weird Twitter ad spend that was like totally spiking. And I'm like, you know, that's just, again, you're chasing uh, and and you're throwing people into these little spikes that are really a false positive. It works until it doesn't. And so what happens is we think of your fractured energy, like a uh, going in this direction, this next direction. If you're, if you look at all the economic waste of changing tasks in your day-to-day life, think about that bigger on a bigger scale on campaigns, channels, and energy, how much economic waste are you trying to recalibrate, re-understand, reinvigorate, publish and and you know kind of connect on these platforms you still got to build an audience it's just it's far too exhausting i think it's just like people need to rethink this and go play their own game and let the algorithm do what algorithms is going to do it's no different than screaming at the storm and telling it to stop it does you know there's nothing you can do oh man now you're making it really uh i suppose screaming at the storm is like pissing against the wind excuse me for being a little bit you know, a little bit uh, uh, crude there, but uh, screaming at the storm um, is fantastic. Chasing energy, forcing growth, chasing growth, false positives. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's gold, Jerry. It's gold. Um, so so true. Um, I experience frustration. This is me uh, playing the role of Scott A. Martin. Um, I experience frustration with tyrannical online platforms firsthand. After investing several years into Facebook, I built up a page with 16,000 followers. Now I can barely engage organically with my audience on that platform because Facebook requires that I pay to be seen by my own followers. All the energy I spent building that platform was easily exploited by Facebook when they changed the rules. I soon realized that I have little or no control over what happens on these platforms. That experience deepened my resolve to identify and create new ways 
for brands to diversify and create a sustainable and sovereign capability to grow. I mean, again, this point is just so good. It's like this idea of chasing these platforms, jumping from pillar to post, not being able to stay the course. Um, We've seen it. I mean, most of us here have all seen it and experienced this firsthand. Um, It is exactly why um, I am creating this safe harbor haven place in Discord. And I've thought about, you know, maybe, just maybe like, you know, and, and Scott, I think you would agree with the approach, which is, you know, just like, for example, Sirius XM will have a week when everything is open and people can trial it. You know, sometimes you do, you, sometimes you can go outside. You know, what I mean by that is maybe one week in the year, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do this on Twitter spaces to just, you know, just, ex, just um, experience or, or just come out and say to everyone, hey, everyone, um, this is actually where we are. But this week is like Howard Stern is in Miami this week or, you know, it's okay to mix it up a little bit. Um, but ultimately, it's to recognize where is home. Uh, home is where the heart is. Home is where your community is. Home is where you don't have to pander to the stranger and the prostitute. You get to basically rather nurture um, existing relationships. And that's how we kind of not future-proof ourselves, but Facebook-proof ourselves um, by actually being able um, to, you know, I mean, the, the simple thing is we should be using these platforms as a nice-to-have, not a have-to-have. That's the essence here. When you're using them because you have no alternative, that's when you're chasing, you know, when you're chasing as opposed to the luxury, right, versus the necessity. So I just wanted to add that as well. Do you want? This was written pre-Web3. So I was just recently in a project with you in Web3 where you showed me the clear demonstration that um, I was not sovereign in my growth, in my capability, in my control of my of my project with both the NFT and the currency. And I, what did I do when I saw that? Within minutes, it took me less than five minutes. I'm so resolute of being a beacon for sovereignty that I, what did I do? At a massive cost, I pulled my position. I didn't even think twice because I'm like, even at the possibility of it, of me being part of something that was hurting other people to be sovereign, um, not controlling their growth and being part of something that was in that wrong direction is something that's, this isn't just me hyperbole, me just talking about it. Like, this is my my DNA, right? This This is, there's, I really, really want to land on this because, you know, when I wrote this book, it's like, this is kind of, you know, for me, it, it's, it, it's like, it is a philosophy of how you want to grow your business. It's not just a, um, a strategy. It's, it's deeper than that, right? It's like, I will not allow myself to be constrained by, you know, um, you know, people that, and platforms that are not out to help me grow in a sustainable way that I have sovereignty and a story. I'm actually looking at looking up the definition of the word sovereign. Um, it says sovereign, a supreme ruler, especially a monarch. Um, and it also says possessing supreme or ultimate power. Um I'm going to keep looking at a few different things. One possessing or held to possess supreme political power or sovereignty 
one that exercises supreme authority within a limited sphere and acknowledged leader or arbiter. But I mean, we're not, you're not talking about the idea of supreme, like you're not the supreme leader. You're talking about ownership and control. Uh, not control as in control. Extreme ownership. But it's ex- yeah, but it is extreme. It is extreme. It's extreme ownership. So it's actually like it's not about like it's not about being power hungry. Um, it's about actually, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Not being constrained. Yeah, this it's, is. It's about totally like being able to make your build your dream, build your groundswell, build your impact in the world without interference. Wow, that's. I mean, this is a philosophical discussion because, you know, our whole life, though, is spent dealing with interference. And it can be, it can be from, you know, from debtors, you know, from, from collectors, from, you know, from, uh, I mean, we just, our whole lives are basically preventing us from just being able to live our truth. Um, but, you know, Web3 maybe is, the ability for us to achieve some of this, to go out there and create something, um, but using the right principles and practices, um, which is to, and, and when we look back, you know, Scott, for me, it's, it's like there's an interesting uh, concept of just pride. Like when you look back, are you proud of what you built? Are you proud of what you're building? You know, can you, look, can you, can you actually, you know, can you look back and say, not just I did it my way, but I did it the right way. We did it the right way together. Um, I think that to me, you know, one of the things that is very clear is that is that the wrong kind of growth marketing, the wrong kind of branding, the wrong kind of marketing. It's wrong because it's fake and it's forced and it's um, and it's artificial and it's not natural and it's not sustainable. And by the way, that word sustainable, sustainability. I mean. That's a big part of our lives now, sustainability. What is sustainability? It's something that can that can continue and endure, you know, long after long after we uh, disappear, but also something I think that does good and is inherently good. And that's what you're talking about here, correct? One million percent. Yeah, this is a hurting the world and hurting others is not sustainable. It isn't, because it's also naturally not who we're meant to be. You know, so you almost like you, you, you know, and it takes a lot of energy to be bad, I think. It's exhausting, I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm going to finish this little uh, chapter. What a great conversation. Um, Beyond the challenges of being subject to social platforms limitations, we need to pay close attention to the changing ecosystems and how audiences voluntarily move. In the digital era, they move fast. I call it cross-channel migration, like a seasonal migration of a herd moving from one area to another. What happens when your audience moves to another channel? What if the channel disappears? Remember MySpace and Google+. How will you pivot? Most brands are scrambling to adapt, get back out front, and stay in proximity to audiences' eyes and ears when this happens. What will this cost you in time, money, and momentum? And what about new businesses? How does a business get off the ground if it can't compete with the huge ad spend of already established companies? Or do they have an advantage? How many well-meaning brands fail because they build their expectations, business predictions, and infrastructure around a rapid growth model? And on top of a channel or platform that they don't control, 
How many marketing executives get swept away by hype, focusing on amassing followers and subscribers rather than nurturing relationships? How many strategists repeatedly invest all their proverbial eggs in platforms they can't control? And then when change inevitably comes, have to start over. The next section is called the temptation of rapid growth. And it's interesting because it is a temptation. It is an addiction. It is, you know, like crack cocaine in terms of this idea of addiction. You know, um, it is something that just you need, you know, you, you need that daily affirmation as opposed to put your head down and get the work done. I also just uh, I just want to look um, uh, at and just see uh, just uh, a couple of comments. Um, uh, Billy just said he just quoted uh, uh, Chuck D, I'm assuming, as opposed to Chick D. Uh, that must be uh, uh, his alter ego from Public Enemy Respect. I agree, totally. Um, and, uh, and David Schmeichel, uh, if I pronounce that correctly, said to govern oneself, not be governed by another. Um, the words governance are so important, right? Governance, sovereignty, uh, you know, these are words actually, funnily enough, not funnily enough, uh, but actually very much so, um, are words that we are now using with Web3 um, and decentralization. Um, so it's not, you know, talk about like, you know, and the fact that you wrote this all before Web3 just shows how natural this whole convergence or evolution or revolution is. I also just want to read uh, what Aaron, uh, what Aaron May said. Um, I used to work for a company where sales would sell things that the back end couldn't service as their metrics were based on new business and not on retaining customers. Revenue would be massive, but turnover of both customers and the internal service team was massive. If retention was equally important as new business, the growth would have been slower, but over time would have been unstoppable. You know, funnily enough, uh, when Rini and I worked uh, together uh, in Austin, I remember actually this, it just hits me now, that Enterprise, I'm pretty sure it was Enterprise, the car rental company at the time, they bonused their um, their bonuses and their management bonuses were based on um, uh, satisfaction, customer, CX, uh, you know, retention metrics. Those were the metrics that, that the team were bonused on. So um, they actually built it in. So when you actually now are paying, bonusing, compensating, incentivizing your management, your senior executives, your C-suite, um, based on the right metrics, um, you know, that's how you create change internally. Um, so I just suddenly remembered that. And, and, and wow, Rini, when, when was that? I mean, that was 15 years ago. You know, the more... Uh, it's ama- it's amazing sometimes all these crumbs um uh all these seeds let's use the word seeds scott all these seeds for success are like right there in front of us and we can choose to ignore them or overlook them or you know or eat them as opposed to plant them um but they're always there i mean uh, i've always believed that in order to move forward you have to kind of l- not maybe look backwards but learn backwards to move forward There's no question. Are you in for a comment? 
There's no, yes. Um, yeah. That was um, a beautiful natural pause. Sometimes as well, you've got to just listen to the waves. If you put your ear to the roadcaster microphone, you can hear the waves naturally crashing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this, this topic of temptation of rapid growth is, it's, you know, I'm, I, I think it's, it's a pretty pervasive thing that everybody experiences. And, you know, I mean, to a certain degree, I guess, you know, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, rapid growth. I think what I'm, what you'll see in the, in the future descri- uh, description of the book, it's, it's more a pattern of chasing it than it is, um, you know, not taking advantage of it. I'm not suggesting you don't do that. Well, it is, uh, it is 8 of 59. The POEP uh, is now available. Uh, you want to be uh, showing up every single week and collecting the series of POEPs um, associated with this live book read. I don't know what we're going to do with them. Maybe Scott will do something with them. Maybe he won't. Um, but certainly um, you want to collect them all. And uh, today's one is available right now. Um, if you go to, if you've downloaded poep.xyz, um, then uh, you key in the secret word um, and you've got about 20, 25 minutes to go ahead and do that. So don't don't FOMO, don't be anxious, don't be nervous. Uh, I'm at your service. You've got the opportunity. Another thing that I've been doing with uh, these um, sessions <clears throat> is um, actually using um, chat GPT, I call it plagiarizing myself, um, to create a summary and some key takeaways. It's, uh, it's, it's just been an amazing uh, experience, kind of like figuring out how to work with the machine as opposed to let the machine work, for, uh, work me. Um, also, um, I should be able to share with you this, this new framework of leaders who deliver, leaders who destroy, and leaders who disrupt, which is actually a, a team, a tag team effort with ChatGPT. We actually worked together for about 40 minutes yesterday uh, to, to, uh, to create what I think is a phenomenal piece of IP um, just showing what happens when a human leads the machine, works with the machine, but also kind of leads the machine. I felt that the machine worked for me. Um, but, you know, if this machine was a human, and I'm not joking when I tell you, I would have paid them. This is, this is the kind of strategist that I would pay eighty to to $100,000 uh, to employ, and I'm not joking. That's how good the work was. Um, so I'll be sharing some of that tomorrow. I'll also be sharing my thoughts, reflections on... Our launch last night, um, <clears throat> maybe Peggy and Will will share a little bit as well. Uh, I'll just kind of um, uh, just stop recording now. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is Conversations with People Promoting Mental Health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net. Or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.